spinning it's spinning it's spinning like extra long today okay <laughs> hi friends welcome back to my channel my name is ashley ariana today i'm joined by rohan um thank goodness we were able to make it work rohan is visiting me from a dungeon as you can tell i'm just kidding it's from a hotel room um hi rohan how are you doing this friday where are you at tell the people doing good i am on uh, i'm in indianapolis for the big 10 championship tomorrow night and so uh in a hotel room like ashley said doing good but the important part is the niners they're gonna play philly at the link on sunday gonna be a big game so excited to see that excited to talk about it today do you know what's interesting like everyone talks about how kind of dangerous or feisty of an atmosphere it is um i kind of feel like it would be I'm kind of jealous of people who could go. Doesn't it seem like it's like a playoff atmosphere? I was talking to Eric Crocker, and apparently the tickets are super expensive. But I feel like the like, just, even if the 49ers players and the Eagles players are downplaying it, which I think it means a lot to them, but just like outwardly they might be downplaying it a little bit. I feel mm -hmm. like just a fan atmosphere of being in the link with the weather supposed to be kind of, you know, maybe raining in the morning, cool, cooling off, and then just the. I just feel like every big play, the you know what I mean, 49er plans, fans are going to be holding their breath and the Eagles are going to be cheering and then the Eagles are going to be booing. I just feel like it'll be such a fun atmosphere. I'm I'm jealous of anyone who gets to go and experience no, it. No, I'm, I'm sure. Even if you're watching it, you know, from the from the media room, whatever, that atmosphere in the link, that's one that I, I think you, you definitely have to go to understand how, how, how nice it is because, well, I don't know if it's going to be nice if you're a 49ers fan and going, but, you know, it's definitely a lively atmosphere. Yeah, I've heard some things. Some people say, like, you should wear all black and stuff. I, I remember last year. I wonder if Fred Warner will come out. Uh, everyone's asking about Brock Purdy and his elbow and kind of revenge for that game. But Fred Warner's wife, uh, she kind of went viral on, like, TikTok last year. Because after the game, I guess some fans were like throwing trash at her and stuff. So I wonder if he'll go in there with like a little extra spite. No, no, no beat writers are asking about that. See, I, I get the juicy details because I secretly want to be Gen Z. So I'm on TikTok of every second of the day. And so I saw that. And so I would be asking Fred Warner the tough questions. Are you going to yeah. get someone extra hard to defend your wife? <laughs> I I I've seen. It. I think she said she won't go, right? Because it no. was well, too ugly of an environment. Oh, okay. Okay. Much about these people. <laughs> they have a they have a podcast where they talk about reality shows, and I'm like, ah, you're kind of a reality show for me. I keep up with your life, but keeping up with the uh, keeping up with the ones and maybe on to the players in the game a little bit. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, do you think? that the 49ers players and coaches respect Jalen Hurts. And the reason that I'm asking this is because a beat reporter asked Steve Wilkes earlier this week, or no, maybe it was today. Um, he asked him what things about Jalen Hurts stood out to him, and they really focused on Jalen Hurts' running ability and kind of the way to beat him, being make him play quarterback, keep him, the, keep him in the pocket. Last yesterday, Nick Bosa had a similar answer, kind of talking about containing him being most important um, and talking about the way to potentially like limit his talent and big playability. 
would be to keep him in the pocket and make him go through his reads and or go through his progressions and uh, decide where to throw the ball in that way instead of letting him kind of run around. So how do you feel about Jalen Hurts and how do you think the 49ers feel about him? They've played him twice. Yeah. I think he's a talented quarterback. I, I do think that I'm not going to say he's taking a step back. I don't think that's true. I do think that it's intriguing how the discourse this year has been about Jalen Hurts because the fact of the matter is Jalen Hurts this year has turned the ball over a good amount. I mean, he's been successful because he's been able to run the football while also improve as a passer over the last two years. That you can't deny. Jalen Hurts has become, you know, when we played him back in 2021, Jalen Hurts was not as good of a pass. Uh, as good of a passer. He was a guy who looked to target downfield, but he was not that accurate in that realm. I, I believe he went 12 of 23 in the game where we won. It was an ugly game where we won 20 to 11 in, uh, in week two of 2021. He's much improved from that aspect. But if you look at how Jalen Hurts has played this year, there are some ups and downs. Hurts has 10 interceptions on the year, has a couple more, I believe, four more fumbles. And so he's among the league leaders in, in, uh, in turnovers this year, which is something to monitor on top of what he's done. Completely. Now, do you think that the Eagles respect Brock, Eagles and their coaching staff respect Brock Purdy? When game planning, like when the defensive coordinators game planning, normally in the beginning of the year, you heard opposing teams talk about limit, limiting Christian McCaffrey and kind of be, that being the most important aspect of slowing down the 49ers offense. Do you think that that applies to this game? How do you think that uh, the players across from, from Brock Purdy are going to feel about him? Yeah, I mean, um, one thing that I wrote about earlier this week, something I saw was defensive coordinator Sean Desai, um, the new defensive coordinator for the Eagles, said something about Brock Purdy. He said how they respect him, how he's a guy who can go through his progressions. He's a guy who can be that type of quarterback, and that's what makes that system kind of run is when you have a quarterback that's able to execute at the level Brock Purdy does. Now, the way that Sean Desai said the Eagles are going to counter him is he's evasive, he's slippery, but if we can corral that kind of that element of Brock Purdy, the playmaking ability, the extension of plays ability, he believes that'll hinder Brock Purdy's ability overall. The way to do that, collapse the pocket. And the Eagles, they have good uh, good defensive players. You know, Hassan Reddick is there. You've got some nice defensive tackles. Jalen Carter is having a good rookie year, uh, potentially in the front running for rookie of the year, uh, defensive rookie of the year, that is. You've got a couple of good players on that defensive front. Josh Sweat's another guy on the other edge. And so I think that, you know, when you talk about Philadelphia, that's going to be their goal. Keep Purdy in the pocket. Don't let him extend plays. And then the other thing that they're going to do on top of that, it's a it, it's it's really a mixture of two things that kind of blend well with each other. You collapse the pocket, make sure Brock Purdy doesn't uh, isn't able to extend plays, and then at the line of scrimmage, you play tighter coverage, something Sean Desai talked about with James Bradbury, with Darius Slay. The way that you play tighter coverage, that way on these quicker balls, or, or not quicker balls, but like these throws that uh, require good timing, that come out of Brock Purdy's hands quicker, you're, they, they're able to contest it a little more, making the margin for error a little slight, uh, slightly smaller for Brock Purdy. I think that's the way that they're going to you know, uh, defend him. So to answer your question, I do believe they can respect him, but I also believe that they uh, – I also think they believe their defense is going to be able to stop Brock Purdy. Okay, I really I, – I like that. I find that interesting that they – 
uh, or that their coordinator kind of highlighted limiting his scramble ability, because that's something that we've noticed way more this year than last year, and especially as the games have gone on, as such an ask or like a highlight of Brock Purdy's um, kind of ability is when he's kind of making up for that offensive line, um, the offensive line when they're struggling, he's usually able to extend plays, but against a team that's kind of limiting that, that kind of goes weakness for weakness with the 49ers. Now, do you think that Kyle Shanahan will be able to scheme against that with having those shorter, intermediate, quick timing throws to guys like maybe Debo Samuel, um, Christian McCaffrey, or do you think that they're going to be more run game focused, the 49ers that is? I think the 49ers are going to try and execute the plan that they want. They set out to kind of uh, face last year Obviously, didn't get the chance to do so with the the way that game went. I think the way San Francisco is going to look to win this game is by targeting the linebackers. Um, Philadelphia, they lost both of their starters last year. I thought TJ Edwards had a good year. Kaiser White was all right. Um, but they lost both their starters. It's Zach Cunningham, Nicholas Morrow. Um, I, I believe Kobe Dean's on IR, so he won't play in this one. So you got, you know, you got some uh, some average esque linebackers that I think Kyle Shanahan's going to look to exploit. It's finding favorable matchups, placing running backs or placing tight ends against those linebackers in order to create you know, um, favorable matchups. And I think that that's the way that the 49ers are going to look to execute. It might be a shorter game plan, but in that in that regard, you're going to be able to have better matchups against the, the specific group. Something that we just saw this past week against Seattle. The 49ers look to target guys like Bobby Wagner in coverage, Jordan Brooks in coverage, guys who are solid linebackers, but not necessarily really that good in coverage. I think that that's what they're going to do again. And I like the comment that Ellis just pointed out. Yeah, he said, I read the Eagles struggle against tight ends. Well, that's because of the favorable matchups that they're able to create. Kevin Byard should help with that a little bit. Kevin Byard, obviously, a safety um, for the Eagles. Reed Bank, uh, Blankenship hasn't had a bad year. They put Sidney Brown in the slot a slot amount. So you've got you know a, a lot of different options, but I do think that the 49ers are going to find ways to move the ball in this one, especially when you consider the last few games, how opposing offenses have been able to move the ball against Philadelphia. Talking about the last three games, which are playoff-caliber teams, Philadelphia is the fourth worst defense in terms of total yards allowed. They allow about 340 yards, uh, 340 yards per game in the last three games. And they faced Buffalo, they faced Dallas, and they faced Kansas City. So they've given up a good amount of yards. That hasn't been the issue. And the other part about the, you know, this formula for the 49ers, I know I'm veering a little bit off topic, but the other part about this for the 49ers is well, the 49ers, if you're able to give them a lot of yards, they're going to be able to execute because they get to the red zone at a high rate. Not only that, they're able to score at the red zone at a high rate. Haven't ha, Need to improve a little bit in, in the way that they attack the red zone. Has been a little less efficient in the second half of the season, but they get to the red zone and they score in the red zone. That's not usually a formula for success for opposing defenses. Philadelphia is going to need to clear some things up defensively, and I don't know if this is the perfect matchup to do so. I agree. And while we're talking about the um, tight ends versus linebackers for Philadelphia, I thought it would be maybe good to uh, go over injury updates from today. So Lane Johnson, who is obviously crucial to their offensive line, is expected to play. Um, Dallas 
Goddard, I hope I'm saying that correctly, uh, practice today and does expect to play as well. So he'll be important for their red zone while we're talking about tight ends. Um, Jalen Hurts loves to connect with him, especially on third down. Um, but when it comes to linebackers, uh, Zach Cunningham is supposed to be out for them and supposedly yeah. his backup is pretty weak. So hopefully they'll have George Kittle kind of exploiting that area. Now, I have seen that Philadelphia is pretty good at preventing yards after the catch. Like they give up a lot of passes, but they're able to stop them. But maybe that will be an area of weakness now putting George Kittle on um, Cunningham's backup. Do you think that that'll be something that they look to exploit in this game? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I talked about Zach Cunningham just a minute ago, but you are right. I believe he was ruled out earlier today, which means yeah. Nicholas Morrow is going to earn the start and Christian Ellis is going to earn the start because Nicobe Dean is still on IR. Those are guys that, like I said, they tried to target the linebackers last year and the linebackers were better. Now, with this linebacker group, they're going to target them. I know there's been rumors about Shaq Leonard, Darius Leonard, uh, or now known as Shaquille Leonard, um, potentially joining the them. Cult, right? That obviously, yeah, that obviously won't happen though this week. Um, and so, you know, you got you got two guys, uh, Christian Ellis, the guy who's going to replace Zach Cunningham in the starting lineup. He was initially kind of you know a guy who played a guy in the rotation. He got actually benched. He was on. A, he's been on special teams duty for primarily the past past few weeks until obviously uh, this past weekend when Cunningham got injured. Christian Ellis got on the field, and guess what? Buffalo kind of go went after him. They targeted him. Would expect San Francisco to try and do uh, go after a similar game plan. I agree. And then while we're talking about injuries, it's probably important also to talk about the 49ers. Eric Armstead did play today and or did practice today and is expected to play, which is good because he was struggling with a foot injury and that kind of worried me. Obviously, Kyle Shannon was kind of coy about it. Yes, uh, not today, but yesterday when he was talking about it. But today he um, was a little bit more clear that Eric Armstead would be okay. I thought maybe it was that plantar fasciitis because I know that those things can kind of come back and linger especially he's a bigger guy that puts a lot a lot of weight on his lower body um but sounds like he'll be okay i don't know if he'll be playing he's probably playing through some pain but sounds like it won't make it any worse and he's good to go obviously this is a really important game so we don't know potentially if it wasn't such an important game if he'd push through but seems okay enough to go at least which is a really good sign because um the eagles have a really incredible offensive line, especially interior offensive line. So they're going to need 49ers are going to need all the help they can on their defensive line front, especially to help that secondary. I think that what you bring up is a good point. You talk about Ark Armstead pointed out his last year's plantar fasciitis. Good sign is it doesn't look like this is going to be similar to that last year injury. I think that this is something that, you know, he's dealing with. Shanahan got that comment earlier. He said, I don't know. But the fact that he's playing this week and the fact that he, uh, what do you call it, practiced today, that's a good sign. You hope he plays. I'm assuming he's going to play the 49ers, luckily, this week. Seems like they're getting closer, you know, back to full health. Nick Bosa had a toe injury. He practiced in limited fashion today. He's not on the injury report, which is a good sign. Armstead is questionable. You usually expect him to play. And then the other two guys who are questionable are backups. Jordan, McLeod, uh, Jordan Mason, Ray Ray McLeod. 
So it seems like the injury side seems to favor the 49ers in this one because when you talk about Philly, as you did the other day, or I mean, not other day, the other minute, Zach Cunningham, he's out. The other guy who was really facing an injury was Lane Johnson, the groin injury, but he practiced in full Thursday, Friday, so that'll be an intriguing matchup. He should start. Jordan Davis, he was uh, limited earlier in the week. He's going to play. And so it seems like, you know, this will be a solid, solid game. Both sides seem fairly healthy. I think the one main true question for Philly is Fletcher Cox because he hasn't practiced all week, but he was listed as questionable. And he's one of those veterans, you know, that the Eagles trust to wear. You know, if they uh, want to just put him in the game without a week of practice, they're going to be able to do so. Much like Trent Williams, right? Or even Debo Samuel when he was out. Um, I don't, I'm not really worried about Jordan Mason because I'm kind of unsure if Jordan Mason would have gone anyways. Um, Ray Ray McLeod, that is kind of concerning just because he's been our return guy. But um, who, who's Ray Ray's backup if he can't go for that? Do you know? That could be Are you talking about returners? I would assume it would be yeah. Ronnie Bell. Ronnie Bell, I would think so. Oh, okay. I feel like I'd be interested. I'd be interested in that because didn't Ray Ray also fumble last game, right? Obviously, you don't want to hold like one, <laughs> one bad play against him. But I am, I do like that. They both teams seem fairly healthy. I kind of, I'm not one of those fans that wants there to be a huge advantage on one team versus the other. I, I'm so excited to see teams go against each other and I find them both so talented. And I think this could be a start of a really exciting rival rivalry between the two teams. If they continue to kind of have the success that they're having, I assume i mean uh the cowboys did look really good yesterday but i assume that this might be a preview of the nfc nfc championship game uh coming up in the playoffs so i don't know i want i i kind of would love to see both teams at their full health and in good weather going against each other because i i want to see how both teams do with all the conditions being kind of the same but there is a chance that it'll rain. Uh, for right now, it says that it looks like it's going to rain in the morning, but cool off by game time. Obviously, that's a couple of days away. Those things are subject to kind of change a little bit. We've seen the Eagles be able to play really well in the in the rain as um, early as the last game against the Bills. We saw them have no problem in the rain. And unfortunately, with the 49ers, we've seen them really struggle in the game my um, immediate thought goes to that Colts game, then the monsoon against um, the Chicago Bears. But then when we're talking about Purdy, we had that playoff game. Uh, there was a quarter where it, against Seattle where it rained and he really struggled. And it was the Browns game this year, right, that you kind of saw kind of his worst play, in my in my opinion, so far where the ball kind of fell out of his hand, which is interesting because he doesn't have, even though he is a, smaller guy he I, I think I heard someone say he has bigger hands than Trey Lance did so it's not like he has like tiny hands or something and he also played in college uh where there was weather but you've really seen him kind of struggle in the rain games Kyle Shanahan has been asked before if he likes to prepare using a wet football he kind of scoffs at that question um I remember a couple of a year or two ago when he was originally asked about it, he said he thinks that it can get in the players' heads if they have to practice with a wet ball and that he feels like they're overthinking it. Now, this year he didn't say that, but he just said that, no, they wouldn't be doing that. Now, Brock Purdy, however, 
did say that he was going to test it out before the game uh, when he was asked about it today. And he said that he would be open to using a glove if he needed to and open to kind of dunking the football in water and practicing with a wide receiver after practice on his own. So it does seem like he's able to or he's going to, you know, step up and take the initiative if that feels like something he needs to practice for. Are you worried about the rain if there is rain? Um. I, I do think that it, it, it's important. I think that it's something that could affect how the game goes because we've seen rain games in the past affect quarterback play specifically, not only with the 49ers, but in general. And if you talk about the way the rain game goes, I do think that it'll favor Philadelphia because Philadelphia has one of the best running attacks in the NFL. That RPO system has been very effective, and the number one thing Philadelphia is able to do when they get those run, uh, you know, uh, a good run game going is have third and short uh, in short distance situations just in general. That obviously favors them with the way that they operate, uh, the way that they're able to win up front. And I think when it comes to rain games, there are a few factors that matter. The run game is one because obviously that's the way that teams usually like to move the football and trench play is the other. And so I think the advantage goes to Philadelphia because I think right now, if you think about it, they probably have the advantage in both. They even if you uh, even if Christian McCaffrey, right, Christian McCaffrey is undoubtedly one of the best uh, team uh, running backs, if not the best in the NFL. But even without him, I mean, even with him. Philadelphia has a strong running game. I mean, they're able to move the ball well. I think their efficiency this year has been down, but I also think that's in portion due to the amount that Jalen Hurts runs and the short-distance situation that Hurts runs for. He only averages 3.6 yards per carry, Uh, and if you look at the remainder of the bunch, um, talking about guys like DeAndre Swift, talking about, uh, you know, well, they've got a uh, couple of names there that have kind of, as him playing time this year, but a guy like DeAndre Swift, who's been their main running back, he averages 4.8 yards per carry. And so when you look at the efficiency, they've been efficient. They've run the football at a high rate. And they score a good amount of touchdowns as well with Hertz on the ground. He has 18 passing touchdowns and 11 rushing touchdowns this year. And then the other portion that I talked about trench play. Well, the Eagles have a strong offensive line. I mean, uh, and, with Lane Johnson back, it's going to be fully healthy. You've got Kelsey there. You've got Johnson there. You've got Jordan Mailata on one side, Landon Dickerson on the other side. Even with the loss of Isaac Sayamalo, they've I think they've slotted in Cam Jurgens into that uh, left or sorry not left right guard spot, and so he's gotten a couple of uh, you know he's gotten some uh, some play as well. And so I do think that overall they've got a good team. You can you can argue which defensive line is better. Um, but I do think when you look matchup-wise, the Eagles have a better matchup because the 49ers' offensive line isn't as strong, whereas the remainder of the trench play, 49ers' D-line, Eagles' O-line, Eagles' D-line, are all pretty good. I love that. I was going to say, it's kind of um, it's going to be a strength on a strength with the 49ers' defensive line against that O-line, but there is going to be some mismatches. I was going to... Well, we'll start here. Who do you have more confidence in? We're going to start with the quarterbacks. Who do you have more confidence in, Brock Purdy or Jalen Hurts? If you were going to start a team maybe from scratch, or or if you just want to talk about in this game, um, when it comes to protecting the football, when it comes to scoring touchdowns, you kind of talked about Christian McCaffrey. I think you, and you can double check me on this, but Jalen Hurts and Christian McCaffrey are tied for 11 touchdown or 11 rushing touchdowns this year, right? Kind of interesting. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's such an asset that the Eagles have with Jalen Hurts. That's so crazy that they're getting. I know, I know. That's the way that, you know, they're able to operate and it's efficient. Yeah. And that that's why, like, a lot of times, like, sometimes you're kind of like, why is he in the MVP conversation? He's really not protecting the football and stuff like that. But um, with him bringing that, like, total complete aspect, like, he's basically two players in one. Like, he gets to be their quarterback and their star running back. Like, he's he's doing the work that Purdy is doing if Purdy was Purdy and McCaffrey in one guy, kind of. That might yeah. be oversimplifying it, but, you know. It's but you're talking about confidence. I think this is a tough question, and I'm not saying it's tough because I do believe there is one quarterback who is definitively better than the other. I think at this stage right now, I think there is one quarterback who has proven a little more and who's been definitively definitively a little better in their career. However, if you talk about confidence, like I mentioned at the beginning of the year, uh, or sorry, beginning of this uh, episode, I keep saying random times, beginning of this episode though, Jalen Hurts has 14 turnovers this season. That's double of what Brock Purdy has. I believe even more than double. Or no, uh, directly double because Purdy has two fumbles, five interceptions. That's double of what Brock Purdy has. So that's been an issue this year. And that's why I think you can create an argument for Brock Purdy being higher than Jalen Hurts if you talk about the the MVP race. I think that there's an argument to be made. I don't know if I would go strongly into that argument. I think it could be a flip of the coin. But a lot of people believe Jalen Hurts is the front runner for MVP. I don't even know if he's the front runner in his own division for MVP. I would put my vote for Dak Prescott over Jalen Hurts if I had given the choice. I've been pretty high on the Dak Prescott MVP race this year. I don't know if he's the front runner overall, but I, I believe that he's been very underrated this year. And so if I'm talking more confidence, I think I still have I to go like Hurts. That last game, I felt like that got some people talking. You need to Oh yeah, well because it's prime in prime time. time. Yeah. Yeah. And so he'll have another opportunity next week because he faces Philly in prime time. Philly, I mean, that's going to be a huge divisional game. But confidence-wise, I'm going to go with Hurts just because, especially when you consider the, the circumstances of this game, the run effect will be a little more important. Hurts obviously provides a lot more in that realm. And overall, if I'm talking about building a team, I think that I'd prefer a quarterback like Hurts, a guy who you can create a system around and a guy who has the dual threat capability. But I do think that there is an argument to be made when you talk about specifically decision-making with the way turnovers have happened this year for Hertz. I really like that. I, um, I feel like it's so interesting because I don't think that the Eagles would trade for Brock Purdy. Like I think that the way their team has been um, constructed, Jalen Hurts is the perfect quarterback for them. But I also think that the 49ers wouldn't want Jalen Hurts. I think that they, like both teams have really, mastered kind of building a team around their quarterback, which is kind of interesting because the Eagles have obviously had a little bit more time to do that around Hertz than the 49ers have around Brock Purdy. They kind of just, I don't want to say fell into a perfect fit, but um, I do think it's an interesting conversation because I don't, I think in order to actually judge them, you kind of have to say, okay, if I was starting from scratch, because both teams at least how they are right now, I don't think would trade their quarterbacks straight up for the other. Do you? Do you think that Kyle Shanahan would trade would trade Purdy for Hurts right now? Uh, I do. Yeah, I think if you, oh, if really? you have the opportunity, okay. I like. This. I think I like if you have this. the opportunity. Um, I uh, you take Jalen Hurts. Okay, I like that. That's interesting. Yeah, and I think Brock that, is a good. I, I mean, Brock has been a great fit 
I, I just yeah. think that when when I think about Kyle and the way that his true fully unleashed offense could be, I think it, it's what you want with Jalen Hurts. It's the reason he traded three picks for Trey Lance. I think that's what he wants. Now, I, I mean, Jalen, Brock Purdy has proven himself this year to be a pretty strong yeah. quarterback option. But I think, yeah, if you, if you if you had the opportunity to go straight up, I think you would go with Jalen Hurts. I love that. That's kind of – I like that because I, I think sometimes people, um, myself included, maybe over-exaggerate how smitten uh, Kyle Shanahan was Brock, is with Brock Purdy. I think he does really like him, but but you're right. He I don't think he's, like, completely settled on, like, this is 100,000% my franchise quarterback for the foreseeable future. I think he's like, hey, this guy is extremely good and works in our system extremely good and is – not only maximizing our offense, but allowing us to maximize the talent around him because he's so cheap. Um, when Kyle Shanahan was talking about MVP today, if I can find it, he actually said that Christian McCaffrey should be in the MVP conversation and should be strongly considered um, as the MVP frontrunner, which I thought was interesting because I think a lot of people debate this when it comes to Brock Purdy versus Christian McCaffrey, especially because the award does lean so heavily quarterback. And I was kind of, I was going to ask you about depending on the winner in this game and which players go off, if this game could be a strong case for, you know, um, catapulting, whether it's Jalen Hurts, Christian McCaffrey or Brock Purdy into maybe leading that front runner MVP conversation. Obviously Jalen Hurts is already there. So with a win that could potentially really solidify or exaggerate that uh, enthusiasm for him. But if Brock Purdy completely goes off and you can tell not only if the 49ers win, but if he's a big factor in them winning, gets multiple touchdowns, is really distributing the ball, um, scrambling in the face of pressure, even though the Eagles have already kind of said that their goal is to limit that. I think that you can see a lot of people starting up that MVP conversation for him because they do lean so quarterback centric. But I do think that Christian McCaffrey should be involved. And Kyle Shanahan kind of talked about that too. He said that he kind of thinks it's bogus that it is a quarterback award. Do you think that um, it should be something that that is considered if the 49ers win and Christian McCaffrey is able to run all over this team? Do you think that he should be uh, in that MVP conversation, do you agree with Kyle Shanahan, or do you think that it would be go towards a quarterback and Brock Purdy would have a better chance? I still think that if you talk about it, um, Christian McCaffrey, in my opinion, I said it last year. I'm going to say it again this year because I think it's true. I think he's the most valuable player on this team. Um, and again, I'll, I'll say this once again. Most important and most valuable to me are two different distinctions because most valuable takes into account um, it, it's more of a impact award in terms of statistics, in terms of how you change the outcome of the game. Most important to me would be Trent Williams, but most valuable would be Christian McCaffrey because their impact on the game is in different ways. And so that's the way that I look at it. Um, but I, I do believe Christian McCaffrey is this team's MVP. I think that he's the reason this offense flows to the level that it does. I thought that last year and I thought that this year as well. I think he's the number one, um, you know, he's the number one weapon on this team. And I think Kyle Shanahan has really found a different way to implement his offense with Christian McCaffrey in the fold. I think he's waited for a running back that he can utilize like he's utilized Christian McCaffrey. And obviously, I mean, what better than to get the best dual threat running back in the entire game? And so 
that's where my stance is. As for MVP talks overall, I think that if any year were to be the year where a non-quarterback could be in the race for MVP, I feel like it could be this year. I just feel that this is the, this is the year where when you talk about quarterback play, there are elite-level quarterbacks who are still performing very well. But I don't know if there's any true, clear, like, you know, uh, front runner for the MVP award. I think that it's a mix. And then. Oh, bye, Rohan. <laughs> okay, I'm going to wait for him to come back, hopefully. And I'll continue to talk about the MVP conversation. I think that a lot of people feel like it's almost a waste of time to even discuss Rohan's back, to even discuss. Uh, quarterback. Apologize. Hi, Rohan. Yeah. What happened? You got so excited. Hope I got so excited that I accidentally clicked the trackpad and clicked X on the tab. So <laughs> that's what I was saying. But essentially what I was kind of continuing forward is when you talk about MVPs in the non-MVP rate or in the MVP race, I think this could be the year where a non-MVP ends up winning the trophy if there were to be a year. Ultimately, I don't believe that's going to be the case. I still don't. Um, I, I think when you talk about uh, the MVP, for some reason, it's always going to be entrenched with the quarterback position. And so I think that that's going to be important because guys like Mahomes, I, I mentioned Dak Prescott, even Lamar Jackson. When you talk about the MVP, it's going to be to a, a player on a winning team. Those are some of the guys who have some of the best records. But Tyreek Hill, I mean, if he breaks 2,000 yards which and breaks the, the receiving record, that could be, you know, that could be a, a guy you, you talk about. McCaffrey, he has 16 McCaffrey touchdowns already. He's been dominant. He's a guy who, yeah. Go ahead. He gets to, I think it's 20, is it 28? The last two guys that were not um, quarterbacks that won, that won um, MVP had 28 touchdowns, I think it was. Is that right? Yeah. Am I wrong? Yeah. Um, I, like you're saying uh, skill position players, right? Yeah. 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 I, feel like I, I think it's going to be, it's got to be something like that. I think a lot of people think. It's impossible after Cooper Cup didn't win it when he got the triple crown, but I think it's important to consider the quarter like how well the quarterbacks were like that season. Aaron Rodgers had like an insane, it was like thirty something touchdowns to like three interceptions or something, and um, the second the runner up was Tom Brady and he had a ton of yards and a ton of touchdowns. I don't think any of the quarterbacks right now that are in the conversation for MVP are doing as well as either of those quarterbacks were doing. And I do think that that gives the skill position players, whether it's Hill or McCaffrey, a little bit of a better odds to do that. Cause even though, even though Cooper crushed it, Cooper cup did really well, he was in competition with maybe better quarterback play that year than there is this year. But yeah, no, it all I, depends I think, on how they perform yeah. in December, I think. No, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just thought it, I found it interesting that, that Kyle Shanahan, when he was talking about MVP, he he leaned towards Christian McCaffrey over. Like, it wasn't like he was like, oh, yeah, and Brock Party should be, you know what I mean? Like, he was like giving his case for why Christian McCaffrey should be involved in that, in that, um, competition now when we're talking about who we have confidence in who do you think has the better coaching advantage kyle shanahan with the 49ers 
Obviously, he's the play caller, you know, an offensive genius, some people might say, or Nick Seriani, who isn't calling the plays, but definitely sets a, you know, incredible tone and has really turned the Eagles into a complete juggernaut. And um, also is extremely aggressive, which really, really works in the Eagles' favor. Kyle Shanahan really struggles with aggressiveness. Do you think that that's something he might change in this game? And who do you think has the coaching advantage when we're talking about the matchups between the 49ers and the Eagles? I think that it's it's an intriguing aspect when you talk about matchups because a lot of people want to gravitate towards one coach or the other. And I don't know if they're like if you can think in that regard because the coaches are two completely different coaches. I'm talking specifically personality. I mean, Kyle Shanahan and Nick Sirianni are both coaches who are beloved by players, but they coach in very different ways. Sirianni is a guy who is extremely, extremely energetic and extremely passionate. They also run a little bit of a different scheme. Sirianni focuses on the RPO action, and that's kind of because he he's revolved his system around his quarterback, and that's made um, you know that's made that offense a popular offense. And so I do think that both sides have different tendencies. One of the biggest differences in tendencies, although we've seen an uptick from Kyle Shanahan this year, is aggressiveness. Nick Sirianni is not afraid to go for it on fourth down. The the Philadelphia Eagles, when you look at the numbers, the Eagles, they go for it on fourth down a significant amount. And uh, when when I'm talking, yeah, I mean, that's the important part is because when it goes to short distance situations, they get it. Philadelphia right now is, I believe, number. Oh, boy, I'm forgetting the exact uh, number, but they're, I believe they're number two in the NFL in fourth downs converted per game at 1.2, and their efficiency is extremely high. It's 76.5%. That is number one in the NFL by a mile, by at least 10%, Minnesota second. They've been 100% on fourth downs in the last three games, which have all come against playoff opponents in Dallas, Kansas City, and Buffalo. They are aggressive. They'll go for it when they need to. But more importantly, they're efficient when they go for it. Like Ashley mentioned, they get it. And so I think that that's something that is important in this one because San Francisco is also going to, well, if it's a close game, you might need to match the aggressiveness that Philadelphia comes out with. I hope that Kashian does. I know that sometimes he can kind of get a little bit, not, not scared, but like content kind of play to not lose but I wonder I think sometimes we've talked about before the 49ers playing down to their opponents I wonder if it'll be the opposite of this game where Kyle Shanahan will kind of want to match that aggressiveness to give the 49ers the same opportunities because by always going for it on fourth downs the Eagles are constantly giving themselves themselves more chances um Sirianni is a guy who was sleeping on the couch he was sleeping on the couch everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Last game? Okay, I brought I that think, up. 
not too sure. I, I think, think maybe he slept out. in the in the in the stadium. Maybe I, I don't really know. Maybe but Kashimio did too. He talked about especially that Thursday game. He said they went. Um, they had like a day off and then they they slept there until Thanksgiving. So um, I do think. What is this? Okay, Kyle Shannon was too aggressive last year with Josh Johnson. Kind of funny. He did kind of try to be a little bit more aggressive in that in that Eagles game. But I think we're talking more about play calling and or more about decision making in the game. I definitely don't think he'll make the same the same mistake to not challenge and not go for it as much as he did previously. And I'll just be interested in how the game plays out because the 49ers and the Eagles play such different games where and and they kind of like oppose each other, right? Like the 49ers, I think this year are leading in first half efficiency, scoring on their first drive 90% of the time, um, really getting out into a lead. The, the 49ers offensive or not even their 49ers as a team formula for winning is to score offensively and do have their defense hold the opposing offense to a three and out on their first drive. And usually by getting up by seven to 10 points, that can kind of be a formula for the 49ers to take off and win. And they're kind of able to hold on to that win, even though they slow down usually in that third quarter um, where it's almost the opposite. And I wonder if it plays, I'm going to ask you if it plays into the Eagles hand because the Eagles have shown that they're unlike the they're the opposite of the 49ers where they're leading in second half efficiency and scoring coming out of in out of the halftime in the third quarter and you could kind of see if they were down only by a touchdown or so them being able to kick it up and really like have a gritty ending where both teams are fighting you know I, I think the 49ers will have to play all four quarters to really pull out the W what type of game do you think this is going to uh, end up being? Do you think it'll be a game where one team is able to pull out throughout it, or do you think it'll be a back and forth the whole time? How are you expecting this to go since both teams kind of play such different styles of football, even though maybe style isn't the right word because they both play with immense energy and physicality, but they both win very different ways, or at least recently they do. I think that this game is going to be an intriguing game. And I also, uh, I'm a, I'm a person who's, who tries to be as realistic as I can with my own thoughts. I'm not going to overpick the 49ers. I'm not going to shortcut it. Um, if I believe that they're going to be losing, I picked the Eagles to win last year. I, I did in the NFC championship game. Obviously that game didn't want to uh, go as we, the, as we expected, but that was one thing that I did. I've picked the 49ers to lose in a few games this year. Not that many, but maybe one uh, twice, I believe, I've picked them to lose this year. Um, this game is different. This game is different. I, I honestly believe the 49ers are going to win this one. And the Eagles are a tough matchup, but when you look at the way this game matters, this game matters a lot more to the 49ers than it does to the Eagles. What do yeah. I mean by that? San Francisco does not get the one seed. They are going to be eliminated from the one seed, in my eyes, if they don't win this game. There's not a chance the Eagles are going to drop, because if San Francisco loses this game, they're going to go from 8-3 to 4. Philadelphia is going to go from 10-1 to 11-1. There's a three-game gap between them. Philly also needs to lose one extra game because they have the tiebreaker. They're going to have to lose four more games in the last five, uh, in the last six games, or last five games. That's not going to happen. 
No. Now the 49ers, like I said, if they win this one, they get to within one game with the Eagles. And they have the tiebreaker. So if Philly loses one more than the 49ers down the stretch, San Francisco is going to be the one seed in that regard. Um, and one other thing, they have the tiebreaker against the other team that's kind of coming up there in Dallas. They beat Dallas. They you know, they beat the Daylights out of Dallas, so they're going to have the tiebreaker over them as well. Now, the reason I also think this game matters more to the 49ers is when you look at the Eagles' schedule, I've mentioned it a couple of times. They faced three straight playoff teams. This is a tough game in a tough sledding of games for the 49ers. They, I mean, sorry, for the Eagles. They faced Dallas, they faced Kansas City, and they also faced Buffalo in three consecutive weeks. There was something similar in all three games. They were down. They came back from behind and won in all three games. And uh, against Dallas, they were down a touchdown. And against Kansas City and Buffalo, they were down 17 to seven, I believe, at one point in both of those games. They ended yeah. up winning all. Uh, they ended up winning all three. They're at 10 and one. But in this game, I don't know if they're going to be able to come back from behind against the 49ers team with that same formula. Additionally, Can I ask you? go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Considering those other teams, do you think that the 49ers defense is the best defense out of those so far? I know Kansas City does have a really good defense, but um, yeah, I'm just asking your opinion while we're while we're looking back at the competition that the Eagles have faced. I think that that's a, a good point that you bring up, and I would probably go with the 49ers. The reason being, I think their defensive line is going to be the key. Because the way that you kind of make Jalen Hurts uncomfortable is you got to put pressure on the pocket. I don't think that – I think the 49ers, if you look at it overall, have a better defensive line than the Chiefs. And I think that that's going to be the way that they kind of have to win this one. Um, I, I do like the 49ers defense a little better. Although I do think Kansas City, while they might not look as great on paper, they're a very good defense and they're well coached. So I think that's a good good question you ask because when you look at it, you know, you're, you're trying to find out the differences as to how the 49ers can win this game if the other teams weren't able to win despite being ahead. And so I think that's important. You talk about scheduling, right? Eagles are coming off three pretty, pretty brutal, brutal games. One yeah, that went much, overtime much last higher. year, and you're facing a physical playing... 49ers team. Yeah. Because that's, that's another thing too. Not only – do they just have a couple of days rest advantage the 49ers do? But also, like, their their game was finished early. Like, they were pretty much resting people, yeah. you know, able to, able to not play them to the maximum, where the Eagles were in overtime playing their best guys, getting snaps out of them. And I think I saw the same thing. I mean, it was obviously not in overtime, but even in the Kansas City game, they were playing, you know what I mean, all the way to the very end. So they've exhausted themselves in every game um and looking at that playoff seating they could still lose this game tell themselves hey we beat them in the championship game we'll probably face them again we can beat them then if they beat dallas then this game doesn't really matter because that's kind of my thought is if the if the eagles beat us or beat the 49ers this game then that dallas game means nothing well they can have that same mindset about this game you know what i mean like no, I, I'm not saying I think they're going to be up for it, but I'm just saying I, I agree with you that I don't think that the weight is the same for the Eagles because they have won before. They can kind of use those excuses and they can say, you know, if we see them again in the playoffs that we've we've been able to meet them there before. Now, I yeah. think for pride wise, when we talk about the way that players are talking, I don't think that they're, you know. I don't think any team walks into a game like, oh, this game doesn't matter. But I just think 
maybe morale wise that it might be more important to the 49ers and then also not morale wise but like literally uh when we talk about winning the Super Bowl I think whoever gets that number one seed is going to have a huge advantage we're talking about injuries we're talking about rest Eric Armstead and his foot the Eagles having Lane 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 Johnson struggling with an injury who whatever NFC team gets that bye week is going to be is going to have a huge advantage I think that that's important as well. But the one other aspect that I'll mention when I talk about the difference in this matchup between who wants it more between San Francisco and Philadelphia, and you pointed it out, it's that bye week that's most important. Like I said above, the 49ers are 8-3. and Philadelphia is 10-1. and Philadelphia loses. They drop to 10-2. and San Francisco goes to 9-3. and There's still one game of a gap. To me, Philly, their most important game isn't San Francisco. Their most important game is the game right after San Francisco because they face the Dallas Cowboys in week 14. Now, the Dallas Cowboys and Eagles, that's a big matchup. Why? Because if Philly loses to San Francisco, they now are at risk of potentially losing the division to Dallas because if Dallas beats them in week 14, Dallas ends up getting the NFC East, or they take control because they're currently at 9-3 and three after beating Seattle. And so there's a lot that goes on. I think for Philadelphia, though, most importantly, I think that game is the one that's more important to Philadelphia. So, you you know, I, I'm not going to say that you, you look ahead and you don't focus on one game at a time, but I think when you look at how brutal the last three games have been, as well as the game after the 49ers, you can understand where there might be slips in the cracks with the 49ers, or sorry, with the Eagles when they face San Francisco. I completely agree. I want to ask you a couple more things when we're talking about the the theme of the show when I've been asking you, okay, which do you have more confidence in, whether it was quarterbacks or coaches? Um, when we think about the 49ers skill position players going against the Eagles secondary, and then we think of A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith going against the 49ers corners, which matchup do you think is going to be more interesting to watch? Maybe maybe I can even ask you before getting into that, because I've just seen this debate online amongst fans. Do you think that Brandon Ayuk is better than Devontae Smith? Because I've seen people uh, kind of argue the opposite, and I'd just be interested in your perspective if you could talk about that a little bit before I maybe think, getting into the secondary. Yeah, I think uh, when you talk about the debate between the two, you can see that they do similar things for their respective offenses. Um I'll say this before I give my answer. I think Devontae Smith, when you look at it, has not gotten the opportunity that Brandon Ayuk yeah. has gotten to be a number one receiver specifically in an offense. Ayuk is the number one receiver in San Francisco. Smith has firmly been entrenched as the number two for the majority, if not all, of his career in Philadelphia behind a guy who commands significant volume in A.J. Brown. You talk about A.J. Brown, he had 1,500 yards last year, so it's tough you know, to get opportunities. I think Smith also, when you look at it, he's a guy who – Plays similarly. He can. He has good route running, great route running, good speed, good contested catch capabilities. I would give Brandon Ayuk the slight edge because we've seen him. I, I think that when you talk about his capabilities alongside the size that Brandon Ayuk possesses, I think that allows him to be a little more durable. I also think that allows him to work a little better after the catch, which we've seen Brandon Ayuk do. Especially when you talk about this season, I know there's a difference a little bit in the way that they're targeted, but 
Brandon Ayuk has been one of the best, if not the best, deep threats when you consider both statistics and volume this year. Brandon Ayuk, I think, is underrated. I think he is, um, you know, considerably getting up there in that top 10 receiver conversation if he's not there already. And so I would give Brandon Ayuk the edge there. Really like that. I like that a lot. That's a good breakdown. I I agree that I feel like it's maybe not a fair thing to be able to compare completely yet because Devontae Smith is playing behind AJ Brown, so you haven't seen him face those same matchups. But I just I I know that that was a little random, but I saw that conversation, and as a 49er fan, I my instinct was to be like, oh, Ayuk is definitely better. But I saw some people making their case for for Devontae Smith and was like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not. Um, you know, I don't watch every single Philly game, so maybe I'm not not as pretty privy to them. So, but when we are talking about AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, let's maybe focus on AJ Brown for a second instead. Do you think that Ward, uh, Traverse Ward, will follow him the way that he did DK Metcalf? Steve Wilkes was talking asked about Ward shadowing DK in the Seahawks game, and apparently having him shadow the number one receiver has been something that Ward actually went to Wilkes and asked about previously and they just figured that that Seattle matchup was the first time that they uh wanted to implement that but do you think going forward in this Eagles game that'll be something they stick to as well I think that that's something you definitely look at but when you look I mean when you consider why the 49ers signed Trevor Sword, it was to get a cornerback number one a top level cornerback that could shadow top-level cornerback or, or receivers because that's what top-level cornerbacks do. I think that when you talk about Trevor Ace Ward, personally, I believe he's the most underrated player on the team. I, I think that I, I firmly believe that. I think that his his contributions over get overlooked because when you talk about a cornerback, they're usually being talked about if they're bad, right? If they're in uh, the, the spotlight for the wrong reasons or if they get interceptions. Ward isn't a guy who will necessarily get a ton of interceptions. One, he doesn't get many targets thrown his way in contested catch situations. And two, that's just not usually been his MO overall, um, even dating back to Kansas City. But he's a guy who, again, he doesn't get targeted that much because he has sticky coverage overall. And so that, you know, that leads to inaccurate throws, leads to not as many interception opportunities. I would I, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they go with that, if they go with that route, you know, having war tail AJ Brown. AJ Brown um is uh, similar size-wise to DK Metcalf, but I also think it's a lot more of a difficult matchup, and I do think San Francisco has to worry about other things. I think when you look at DK Metcalf's route tree and the way the 49ers um, kind of countered that, I think that that's something that DK Metcalf's a receiver where if you have a strong cornerback, you're able to kind of cover him one-on-one. AJ Brown's a, a receiver with a variety of routes in his, in his arsenal. I think he's also a guy who specializes with that go route with the contested catch. And so you could see one-on-one opportunities. Mm-hmm. I wonder though, if it will be to the effect that you saw against DK Metcalf. I don't know if it'll be to that level in terms of the amount that you see. And you haven't really seen, and and maybe this is just, against the 49ers that he gets like this. But I feel like A.J. Brown is able to kind of stay in the game a little bit more, where D.K., you can rattle him and get in his head, and then he starts to maybe not play up to his potential because he can get a little bit mental, mentally out of it. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that Ambry Thomas will have continue to have a good game? He's came out of nowhere and actually really had success. I think maybe last game might be his best game with that interception where he really like ran the route for the wide receiver when 
he caught that interception. Um, I was thinking his first his first game where he was put back in there and did well. You know, I think a lot of people wondered, okay, is this a fluke? Is this because the 49ers had given him opportunities before to come in? But it seems, I mean, only a couple games, but it seems like he's really stepped up. Now, obviously, the level of competition is going to be so much better. I'm kind of anticipating that there'll be a couple times that the Eagles win, but do you think that Ambry Thomas will be able to play decently? I'm not saying he's going to completely shut anyone down, but do you think that he'll, you know, be a a detriment in this game, or do you think he'll be able to stand on his own? It's always tough to guess when it comes to cornerbacks, how they'll end up playing. I think that, though, when you talk about the circumstances, you talk about severe rain, you talk about the way the 49ers have been playing defensively, you know, you, you, you do feel a little more positive um, with Ambry Thomas and the way that he's played, especially. Um, I think that there is room to be positive in this regard. And so I think that's a good sign. Um, again, this is a very difficult matchup. We're talking about two upper echelon receivers um, in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Smith has good speed. Even their third guy, Quez Watkins, has good speed. He got good speed, guys, all across the board. That's something the 49ers can be uh, can struggle with in the past. But I, I, I think it's truly how the 49ers kind of complement each other with the way that their cornerbacks can play. If they can take away those short-distance situations, I think that you kind of limit Philadelphia's offense. That helps your pass defense overall, and that helps you get off the field. If you don't, you keep Philadelphia's complete arsenal in their playbook, uh, and you keep that at hand. I think that that's something that San Francisco might have a little bit of a bigger issue facing. So I truly feel like it's kind of more of a uh, a team thing. How are the 49ers kind of going to going to try and combat, you know, overall um, what Philadelphia does. Based on that, based on what we see, that's kind of how I think Ambry Thomas will play out. I like that. Now, when switching over and looking at the other side, uh, Brandon Ayuk will probably be going against Darius Slay uh, and then Debo going against Bradbury, which I think will be interesting because Debo did call James Bradbury trash last year and then didn't back down from that take, didn't necessarily reiterate it, but said, I think he said, I said what I said on the Kay Adams show. And James Brad- Bradbury had a few words for him as well, um, kind of in- encouraging Debo to make sure that he can back up his previous talk. So I think that that'll be an interesting matchup. How do you see, do you see the 49ers skill position players able to kind of win against the Eagles corners a little bit in this game? Uh, 49er skill position players. I think that, like I mentioned earlier, you try and exploit that linebacker matchup. You might see different variations. Debo Samuel out of the backfield, potentially in a couple of packages. Christian McCaffrey could see higher volume, you know, in his role. George Kittle could see higher volume in his role. But I also don't think the 49ers is going to change too much. Again, this is a game where something I've talked about the entire year is you want these games where Brock Purdy is tested. Brock Purdy is put into situations where he isn't supposed to be comfortable. You want to see how he responds because that's ultimately what he'll see in the playoffs. That's ultimately what you can essentially judge him off in terms of can he be that guy that leads you to the promised land. And so this is a game that I feel that can be in that situation. Excuse me, especially if Philadelphia is able to get get some you know pressure on the quarterback and tighten some things up in coverage, which makes those throws a little harder. I think that when you talk about all like all of those kind of factors in in, in general, I think that's something that will make it harder on uh, on Brock Purdy. So to me, I think truly how 
the 49ers skill position players are going to do is dependent on how the quarterback will, uh, will, will play. I think that they'll be fine on their own, but this is a test for Brock Party. We'll see how he uh, kind of responds to the response to the to the test. I like that a lot. Now you did see Hassan Reddick come out come out and make some comments today. I didn't have a huge problem with that. I feel like if I was Hassan Reddick, I might feel a little bit, um, you know, uh, I, I I'd give people the side eye a little bit because the 49ers players liked to talk about last game the previous matchup as if it was a fluke and if i was just on reddick i might be like hey i did that i get credit for that why are we why are we pretending that that was you know something that i didn't i wasn't able to do taking out the quarterback counts that was a move that i made um what did you think about the eagles players kind of talking back this week because the 49ers players did not do you think by the way when it comes to that do you think that kyle shanahan maybe told them not to because i mean everyone from trent williams to i think um taper taper pepper the holder uh debo iuk everyone who's been asked about it i mean george kittle was like i don't even know why there's so many media people here it's just a just another game like they were acting like it's just so weird that people are making this game up to be um i think i said earlier it feels more like a playoff game and the 49ers are really downplaying that uh and the Eagles are not. So how do you how do you feel about the talk that's been going back and forth? I, I think that it kind of tells you in a way who wants it more too. I mentioned earlier, the Eagles don't need this game. I will make a hot take at the very end of the show on how this season ends up going at the but in in my in my opinion, I don't think the Eagles need this game uh, to get the one seed. And so when you look at the way that they're treating it. They're treating it more as, you know, a fun game, more of like a, you know, one of those like rivalry type of games. The 49ers, they might seem locked in because they absolutely need this game. I think if they don't win this game, their one seed hopes are crushed. So that's kind of the way that I look at it. I also think that you're definitely going to hear chirping during the game, potentially oh, yeah. the game, and definitely after the game, regardless of the result. I do. I do too. I think it's going to be such a fun game. We're going to go to the last segment um, of the show really quick, and we're going to do a little bit of over-unders and give our score predictions. So we're going to start off by, I think I agree with you, the most important aspect of this game is going to be Brock Purdy, his health throughout the game, his ability to avoid getting sacked on every down, avoid getting hurt, able to get the ball out. So we're going to start with sacks and we're going to talk and protect protecting the football really quickly. I do think it, like we, we talked about game plan strategies for the 49ers to win. And I just want to say, I read a stat somewhere and it was like, I, I forget the exact numbers, but penalties are going to be killer for the 49ers in ways that I don't think that they are for the Eagles. The Eagles are really capable of committing. I mean, we saw against the Bills, Jason Kelsey committed two false starts and then they still scored and won the game where the 49ers offensively can look really um like a juggernaut but on the game on the drives where they do have a false start some sort of penalty um some you know some sort of flag those are usually the drives where they end up not scoring and and this is a team that's been scoring on a t most of their you know majority of their offensive possessions so far and when they're not it's because of some sort of penalty so playing a clean game for that offensive line against this defensive line is going to be something that is 
going to be huge in this game. And I think that that can, when we talk about make it or break it for this game, I think something like that, that seems maybe a little bit more insignificant penalties and protection of the ball for the 49ers, I think is going to be really important. I can see the Eagles turning the ball over, still winning the game. I can see the Eagles committing penalties, still scoring on their drives. And like, I think for the 49ers to win, which I do agree with you, I think it's possible that they're the win. Previously, at the start of the year, when I just looked at the game schedule, I I had this as a loss in my brain. This week, I've I've because of all the because of the rest because it means more all that I can totally see a pathway to victory for the 49ers. But I do think that they're going to have to play kind of like they did against Dallas. Like I think they're going to play have to play their most clean and their best game for all four quarters in order to win. And I think it's possible because when they are playing their best, I think they're the best team in the league, way better than the Eagles. I just don't think we've seen them play like their best for all four quarters. Usually it's like one half, you know? And to be fair, that's all they've needed in a lot of these games. But this one, they're definitely going to need it all the way. I know that was a side note before going on that, but I just thought about penalties um, really quick. Yeah. I thought we no, I think, uh, though... Real quick, one point that you made that I think is very important is penalties and the way that they've kind of gone. Everyone knows the 49ers struggled with penalties early in the year. I think that that was true. Uh, and I think, I mean, if you still look at statistics overall for the season, 49ers are at the bottom, near the bottom of the list. Probably, I think they're 22nd overall in penalties. Philadelphia, on the other hand, they're top 10. They're they're at number six. They, they give up or they allow five penalties a game. And San Francisco is around six and a half. The interesting thing is the trend over the last three games. Those are kind of what I look at. The 49ers post, you know, or second half of the season, post bye week. Philadelphia against tough opponents. What's the difference? San Francisco, they're in the middle of the pack. They're top 15. They average about five and a half penalties a game. Philadelphia, on the other hand, is bottom, bottom, I think it's like bottom eight. They give up seven penalties a game. So Philadelphia has been penalized a good amount, uh, you know, over the last three weeks, San Francisco, not so much compared to their, uh, you know, regular or compared to the norm over the first few weeks. So interested to see how that trend kind of plays out because you are right. Penalties are a huge portion of the game, especially with the way the 49ers play. They serve as drive killers. So we'll see how it goes. I like that. I like I like your strategy of looking at the last three games versus looking at the season totality because it does change so much. Um, and I do think it is important also to to consider the opponent. Um, but we'll go to the over under game now. I'm sorry for taking that detour. I just when I was thinking about Brock Hardy getting sacked, I started thinking about the O line, and then I was like thinking about Colton McKivitz going against. Uh, there, guys, and I was like, oh my gosh, no. And I had a little freak out, and I was like, oh, I should mention penalties. But um, when it comes to Brock Purdy, are we going to say over or under 0.5 interceptions for Brock Purdy? Just to start it out. Yeah, I think uh, interceptions, I mean, when you look at it, Purdy had the stretch of interceptions, had one this past week. So um, he's, I believe, now at six on the season. I mean, this past week's one was pretty ugly. Talk about it getting batted, and then it ended up in the hands, obviously, of a defender. But if you look you ahead so at this... Funny, just to interrupt you yeah. really quick. Go ahead. When the 49ers lose versus when they win, the story of these things are so interesting. I almost forgot that... Like, I didn't forget... Like, as soon as you mentioned it, I thought of Kyle Shanahan discussed it. I've heard it discussed. I remember it. But, like... 
when I've been reflecting on this game, I totally forgot that Brock Purdy threw a literal pick six, which is the worst play. But it's just because the 49ers won. If they lost, you know that that would be something that people were mentioning all the time. So interesting. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's a, a good, uh, like, that's an important thing. I think that it's intriguing. I think it would have had a lot more, uh, you know, a lot more importance had the 49ers not been up 23 or 24 to 3 yeah, at the time. It, it's, it like served that. as, like, um, there was like a weird momentum shift for a second in that, like, obviously they were always kind of down, but I think maybe PTSD 49er fan in me or something, there was a momentum shift where you were like, Oh no, like they're kind of getting back into it. Uh, but unfortunately the Seahawks have Geno Smith who, although yeah. just did well against the Cowboys have never, he's never shown any sort of life against the 49ers. Geno is not a good fit against the 49ers defense, but we'll talk about interceptions. I'm going to go for the under. I don't think Brock throws a pick in this game. I agree with you, first of all. And I also think that, like I said, I think that that's going to be such a key for the 49ers if they want to win. We'll go over to Jalen Hurts when talking about interceptions, then over under 0.5 interceptions. Jalen's an interesting case. I already talked about his turnovers. He has 10 interceptions on the year. You look at the way that Jalen's kind of played in the last few games, been able to get his team to win. But he's thrown a few interceptions. I think the 10 is skewed. He's had three. He had three against the Jets. He had two, I believe, in week two. I don't, I don't remember exactly who they played, or two or three. Um, but Jalen has thrown a pick in each of the last two weeks. Brock has thrown one or thrown one of the last three games. And if you look at it, the reason – I'm kind of just basing all these on statistics that I kind of uh, have thought about this past week. Philly doesn't intercept many passes. They intercept half a game. Uh, I believe they have five on the season, or no, six on the season. Um, San Francisco, on the other hand, they're number one in intercepting passes. They average nearly one and a half a game. I'm going to go with over here because I think that Jalen Hurts, you know, there's going to be one pass where you consider it could be in the most inopportune situation ever, a Hail Mary at the end of the half. But I will go with over 0.5 interceptions for Jalen Hurts. I agree. Okay, we're we're on the same level right now. Let's go – Nick Bosa, over or under 0.5 sacks? Nick Bosa is an interesting case because, I mean, the 49ers defense has been, you know, doing their thing. And I think recently especially, it's really kicked off. I think the, the, the D-line yeah. has kind of gotten um, uh, going well recently. Bosa has recorded at least half a sack in each of the last four games. You date it back to the last seven, half a sack in six of the last seven games, which is why, despite the matchup, I think that – when you look at it, especially with the way Jalen Hurts has kind of taken sacks, he's taken at least two in the last six games, or I think it's six or seven games. Um, I'm going to go with over. I'm going to go with over. I think Bosa is the one that ends up landing. I, I don't know if it'll just be on a one-on-one -on -one rush. I think the 49ers might have to be a little creative trying to get some uh, some things going up. And so that way, I think that you might see some stunts. You might see different things, but Bosa over on the sacks. Okay, I agree with you too. I mean, it's so it's so incredible the impact that Chase Young has had. I, I feel so much more confident when discussing the the sacks that this defensive line is going to get. I could also, you know, I'm I'm saying over for Nick Bosa, but it could be one of those things we've seen this happen a lot uh, since the since the bye week where one guy is causing pressure, which is kind of giving a different uh, player a sack, which is going to lead me to Javon Hardgrave. Um, do you think that he'll get a sack over under 0.5 sacks for Javon Hardgrave? He's going against his former team. I don't know if that means anything to you. 
But, yeah, no. Uh, uh, Javon Hargrave, obviously, he's another guy who I personally think has kicked it up the last three games. When you talk about post bye week, uh, three sacks total in the last three games, pretty good. Um, uh, I, I, this is tough, right? When you talk about team overall, I think I'm, I'm a little more confident in the in the ones. But in terms of the players itself, probably be guessing. Um, you know what? Though I'll go with over. I, I don't know if Armstead gets a sack him on injury. You know, just all speculation, obviously. But I'll go with Hargrave over because I think there will be at least two sacks potentially. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume three is kind of my number for the 49ers in sacks this week. And so, talking three, well, I'm going with the two best pass rushers is the people who are getting them. I like that. I like that a lot. Now we're gonna go when we're talking about this defense against the Eagles' strengths. Do we think that Jalen Hurts is gonna get a rushing touchdown? Over under 0.5 rushing touchdowns for Jalen Hurts. Absolutely. I, I mean, I I I think that We're that's like, just somehow bound to happen. I mean, Hurts. When you talk about rushing, <laughs> rushing touchdowns, Hurts like that's like I think happened at least 75 percent of the games this year. I think there's only been maybe three games in the entire year where Hurts hasn't had a touchdown. So yeah, 75 percent. Yeah, I think that this one's bound to happen. The 40. I mean, I think. You'll be, I think you'll be surprised when you hear my score prediction. But of the touchdowns that I have Philly scoring, Jalen Hurts is definitely running for one. Perfect, perfect. Okay. And then we're going to go to maybe the 49ers most, uh, the guy that might elicit, elicit that same reaction of just kind of the no problem over under. DMC, you're talking about? 0.5 touchdowns for uh, Christian McCaffrey. If I were to ever make a parlay. That is the only guy I'm put, or the number one guy I'm putting on the parlay. Maybe these these should be the two people. I'll I'll fire up a parlay this week. McCaffrey hurts rushing touchdown, or well, anytime touchdowns for McCaffrey rushing touchdown for Hurts. Definitely doing it. I mean, yeah, I think so. Perfect. And then we're gonna go because this Eagles offense or defense is, I think it's 29th in passing, um, allow 29th against the pass. We're gonna go. Do we think that Brandon Ayuk is going to get the opportunity? We talked about red zone of red zone efficiency for the 49ers. Brandon Ayuk, I think, is 40 of 45 ability to catch it when targeted. So do we think that he's going to score a touchdown? Brandon Ayuk over uh, under point five touchdowns. Um uh, touchdown will or would you be more likely to give it to Diva in this game? I, I think it's, of, I think it's hard um, just up. because I think the way the 49ers are going to play this game, it's going to be touchdowns in the red zone. I don't know how many explosive play touchdowns they get. And the reason that I'm hesitant is because when you talk about touchdowns in the red zone, Brandon Ayuk does not get many opportunities there just because of the way the offense is designed. They obviously, the most opportunities go to McCaffrey. He leads the league in red zone rushes, you know, or red zone touches overall. I think that that makes sense. But I will, you know, I'll lean on the under. I usually am pretty optimistic with Ayuk in the way that he's been able to score. I will lean on the under, though, this past week. Or this upcoming week. I like, I like that. Um, we're going to go to the other side of the ball. What about A.J. Brown? Over under 0.5 touchdowns for A.J. Brown. You think he's going to win against Ward? Do you think he's going to get a maybe a different matchup and be able to exploit that one of these times? Yeah, I mean, Brown's a I mean, prolific talent, elite scorer. I think with the way that he's been scoring the last few games, I have to go over. Even if I don't think he's going to be that successful, you, you look at last week, 
I thought that was a really good game uh, against him, right? He had five catches for 37 yards on nine targets, but he still had a touchdown. I mean, I think that the touchdown is bound to happen. Um, I think Philly scores twice in this one, uh, touchdowns twice. A little spoiler alert. I think that A.J. Brown will get one of those touchdowns. I love that. Okay, um, we're going to go for how many sacks do you think Brock Purdy will end up taking in this game? Over, under... 2.5 so like 2.5 okay yeah i think that that's a i think that's a fine that offensive line versus really good defensive line i don't know yeah uh no i think that's i think that's a good number yeah if you uh if you look at it um but i think my answer is also pretty definitive i think i'm gonna go with the under uh you look at philadelphia and the way that their defensive line has produced they get good pressures the sack rate hasn't been as high now, the one thing that could lean you the other way is that Brock Purdy, um, over the last few weeks, has held onto the ball a little longer. Longer, but I think yeah. that's also because of good offensive line play. Um, when you look at Philadelphia and their sack rate, I think it's really, really elevated by their Week 9 performance. They had seven sacks in Week 9. And so I, I'm not that confident in them getting to the quarterback. Who did they play? Um, Who did they play? I don't remember exactly who they played. I just remember that that was their best sack performance of the year. But I'm not as confident in, in them getting to the quarterback. I think they'll pressure him, and I think they'll look to corral him. I think they'll be, I, I'll take the under for sacks. I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. I'm going to ask you about your score prediction now. You kind of gave us a hint. Um, I think maybe you're predicting a little bit of a lower scoring game than I am, but what is your score prediction for this game? Yeah, you said lower scoring. I actually want to hear yours first because I put mine. Mine's on the internet already in a prediction article, so I want to hear what you've got to say. Okay, I put 31-27, and I put mm -hmm. Eagles winning. But I don't know. Oh, Eagles winning. But okay. I, there we but, go. Uh, What's fair, the reasoning? Fair, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. What's the reasoning to be for fair, it? I made this prediction in the beginning of the week, and I have been mm. – I am an easily influenced person. I was one of those people when they were like, look up gu gullible in the in the dictionary. I was doing it. So I've talked to a lot of 49ers, um, very smart people who have made their case. You know, it's like I'm re reading a persuasive essay, and I could easily change my score to – 2724 49ers. Hmm. Okay. Which maybe okay. I want to go to because it's Friday. I'm not committed to what I said on Monday. No, you're you know not. I mean? No, you are absolutely I, not. I change my mind every day. I wake up in yeah. the morning. I'm like, I want a peanut butter, banana, chocolate smoothie. And by the time I'm making it, it's a fruity little acai bowl. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to go. Go ahead. Go 27. Oh, I'm so nervous. If the 49ers lose, I'm gonna be so mad because I've I've stuck to the Eagles winning. You've stuck to your prediction. I'm gonna, just Stick to your vibes, gut. What, what does your gut say? Just for the good vibes of it all, and because I'm excited about this game, 